Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless you, church. Um, I had to get water because I learned my lesson from watching everybody else get up, get up here and halfway through what they're saying, start choking. So, <laughs> um, I am extremely blessed to be part of this church. Uh, I was just looking around during worship and I, uh, and just seeing all these different families really just reaching out to God. I don't know. It just does something to you because you feel like you're not the only one that tries to do that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, I am, I'm super nervous and uh, I have my entire message on my phone just in case I lose track. So this is going to be a journey, but I also brought note cards uh, to try to avoid going on my phone with awkward silence while you wait. <laughs> um, and I kind of, I, I guess I'm going to start with a story. I remember the first time I ever, I ever preached and uh, I remember telling my pastor was in Virginia. I was like, yeah. And, uh, I told him, I was like, man, I don't know if I like trust myself <laughs> with preaching. I, I hope this doesn't destroy your confidence in me, but he goes, and he goes, I don't trust you either. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I trust the Jesus in you. And I was like, I don't know, it kind of hit me a little bit. You know, it's none of us, if we want to really get down to the nitty gritty, none of us are really qualified to get up here and do this. Um, you know, we all have things in our past and, and stuff like that, but he calls us to be a new creation, you know, amen. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a scripture, Nate, for you to put on the back wall. Uh, let me find it here. Okay. It is Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Let me wait till that gets put up there. And you guys can turn to that in your Bibles. So I'm going to start with reading it. But it says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, really, I want to put that on the screen because I kind of want you guys to be thinking about that, and I'm going to work backwards from that and almost sort of build a case for it, if that makes sense. Um, But I'm going to start with a question. So, if I were to ask you who you were, like, who are you? You don't have to answer. What would you say or what would you, who do you think you are? Um. A lot of times if we think about people in the world, you know, we may say like somebody we know, like a family member we love dearly, but they don't like, you know, serve God the way you do, or they did as a kid and they kind of fell away or something like that. We'd probably say like, they're not a believer. We would start with that, but we'd say something like they're a good person. And what we really mean by that is um, they're usually respectful, intelligent. They got manners. Like there may be a good employee, um, they maybe fulfill fatherly or husbandly duties or motherly duties. They take care of their kids. They provide for their household. They may even like volunteer and give back to their community. But at the end of the day, in reality, they're still a person who was created in the image of God, 
but because sin entered the world, they do not have fellowship with the creator. So what they have is a collection of like teachings and experiences that kind of shape who they are as they're growing up and they make all of their decisions out of the core of those things. So like, especially if somebody who's been through a lot of abuse and trauma, that can really affect the way they receive love and give love. You know, and, and every everything, every decision they make is is based on like self-preservation and protecting me. And it's, um, how do I explain it? Like it's, it's out of your own knowledge of good and evil, like what's good for me and what's bad for me based on my own philosophies. So the problem is when we try to enter the kingdom of God and we bring those things with us, our old understanding of good and bad, you know, who we were in the past, and we try to bring those into the kingdom of God, like our pride, our, and it's not just negative things, like it could be like trauma and embarrassment, anxiety, but it could also be like ambition and accomplishments. You know, it could be things that Western culture look at as like, you know, that's success. Like if you try to bring that into the kingdom of God, you create friction with the only person who ever really loved you, excuse me, and you torment your own soul and conscience in doing so. And Jesus never really intended you to live that way. So instead of like transforming, once you try to come into the kingdom of God, what we do is we justify our old nature, like our old sin nature with, with attitudes and thoughts like, um, you know, if they knew what certain person did to me, then they'd understand why I act this way. Or you'd have an attitude kind of like, and this is the one I struggled with for a while was, you know, nobody's going to look out for me except for me. You know, you may have had people you look up to hurt you or not be there for you. And so you kind of become like this lone wolf, you know, and you just, you're careful about how you let, you know, talk to you or deal with you because you just, you don't know who they are and you're tired of being hurt and you finally found your little piece and you don't want to break it. You know, you, you can have another attitude. Um, this is another big one is th- they don't see what I'm going through, so they must not care. You know, that's another kind of thing that that's just a huge burden to carry. Um all these things, if you think about like what's the common denominator, it's all pointing at self, like me. It's all concerned with me, my safety, my defense. So it's funny that access to the kingdom of God is, is like contingent on your own death. That, that makes sense. So you have, to be, you have to be born again, really is what it comes down to. So I'm going to read... Um, and you, I'm going to have a lot of scriptures in this, so you can try to follow along, but if you kind of just focus on that one there, it'll sum it up. But Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So that's a reason why baptism is so important, not just outwardly, but, you know, because you can get in the water, but your heart not be dead, you know, things you carry. So um, a lot of the reason after conversion you know, a Christian can still, like, you go to the altar, you say the prayer, you say Jesus is Lord, 
and you try to read your Bible and you try to like to, to not watch bad things and listen to clean music and stuff, a lot of times people fall back into sin or have a hard time living a holy life is because it can feel like a lot of the effort in modern church is to get you and that like the teaching is to get you up till the point of conversion. And then once you get there and you confess Jesus as Lord, it's kind of like you just, and this isn't always the case, but like you kind of just fall off a cliff and you don't really know what to do from there. Okay, Jesus is Lord. My sins are clean. What now? <laughs> you know? So sometimes you don't really know. And, and sometimes it's a gift for God to reveal to you. You don't really know who you are. You know, you're washed, but you don't know who your new person is. So you're still kind of living through your old person, you know? So, um, this can, um, like, like the gospel is not just meant for salvation. It's also meant for transformation. Like there's another, there's another half. There's like another step after that, that you really need help with. And that can really help you walk with Christ. Cause if you're trying to walk his narrow, very difficult, like serving everybody else path with like your shoe size, the road is going to hurt a lot. And what happens is, you know, your shame and stuff from like you being a Christian, but still falling into sin because you don't know who you really are yet. You know, you're just, you're washed. And I know that like sounds contradictory, but in a way it makes sense. But um, you, you, it, it just, you're not able to, you're not able to cease from your own works and enter his rest is really what it comes down to. So your walk becomes really hard. Like we were singing that song, you know, was it lifting, you're lifting my burden or weight? I can't even remember. I was just into the worship, but uh, it's, it, it shouldn't be that hard. Um, but you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter two, verses four through six. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, um, do we really understand what it means to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? Like if, if you think about all the prophets of the Old Testament and like, you know, Ezekiel's vision of the wheel within a wheel and, and, you know, the throne room and these different kinds of animals and blue fire and like, can we really comprehend what it's like to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? And like, say we could comprehend it, say we understood it, could we even believe it? That's a whole nother issue. And that's something that I've really been working on, just trying to believe who God says I am. So... Like, can you believe for a second that you have an audience with an all-powerful, incomprehensible being who has power to destroy both body and soul, who tolerates no unholiness and who tolerates no flesh, and he doesn't like doubt? Like, do you really think you can have audience with a being like that? <laughs> if I was to answer the question honestly, I don't know if I could, you know, but that's kind of the point. Like I'm answering that question out of my own knowledge of good and evil, out of my own self-experience. Like as I'm saying this to you, I'm thinking about times in my life where I've sinned, my own perversions and things like that. And there's like, there's no way he's going to, he's going to last up there without just bursting in the flames or, or melting. You just can't stand before a holy God like that, you know? But, but the thing is, is even if I struggle with believing it, Jesus believed it and he suffered a lot for you to have that opportunity. 
He was marred and disfigured more than any man. He walked a very, he had his disciples with him, but he had to carry the burden alone. I, I, I don't know the exact scripture, but a lady came to him and said, can my son sit with you where you go? And he said, you don't understand the cup that I drink. Can, you know, can you do that? Like, we can't carry that weight. But he really believed that we could be where he is at, that we would be clean enough to do that. And so the more I, you know, submit myself, whether through prayer, through fasting, through avoiding entertainment, through trying to like, you know, if I'm tired, but somebody needs help, go serve them. Even if like inside I'm like, oh, I don't want to go lay down, you know, like just trying to do something not involving me or myself. Like the more I do that, the more I start to look like who he said I was. And I can see that guy standing before the Lord. And um, also uh, kind of to go back to the point, like, you know, when you convert and you don't really get taught who you are or you do, but it's real loose. And like if people ask, you know, what's my calling? And, you know, they'll give super general answers or you'll get to go pray, go read your Bible. It's like, you know, it helps and you can kind of get an idea, but it's something that the Lord kind of has to to show you. And it honestly ends up being a question you stop asking because you realize it's not about you. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, I want to show you in scripture um, kind of like a glimpse of what he wants to turn us into. Because it's, it's really hard for me to try to like explain, you know, heavenly majestic things, but I can at least get you to that point. So first Peter chapter two, verse nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. So have you ever thought about like whatever it means to you about letting God use you at a higher capacity. Have you ever, and for some people that's preaching, some people that's teaching, some people that's serving the home, you know, whatever that means, casting out demons, healing the sick, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, like, have you ever thought about what it would be like for you to actually do that? But in that moment, your mind immediately convicts you of sin either you just committed or in the past, it makes you feel dirty and filthy, like you can't even serve God. And, it, and you just, you almost want to give up or say, oh, I need to wait a little bit and then come back to God and, you know, try later. A lot of times that kind of stuff is done by the enemy to paralyze you and chip away at your faith. But if you, if you don't stop right there and you kind of persevere a little bit, you start to realize those things coming into your mind are actually a blessing because they're showing you areas in your life you need to bury with Christ so that his newness of life can become your newness of life. And you can inherit the things he inherited. So um, Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. I, I have a lot of scripture in here to prevent myself from like rabbit trailing. And, it, and if I get kind of confusing, if you just follow the scriptures, Paul already preached it. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, something that's helped me, you know, try to believe what Paul, or really the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying here, 
is if you can if if you if you can persevere and you can lay down your life the way Christ laid his life down you'll start to realize that nothing in this present age like there is nothing can fulfill you the way that letting Christ live through you through his holy spirit can like for example like if you think about in your life like we all have different kind of passions and hobbies and things we like the funny thing about the flesh is if Say you, like, for example, like I used to play video games way too much, you know, but the, the thing about the flesh is if you give it what it wants, it's never really satisfied. It's always going to want more and then it's going to want more and then it's going to want more. And then you're giving up areas of your life to fulfill this lust that's never going to be satisfied ever. Um, and, and sometimes like, like think about the last time you got on your knees to pray. Like, what was the first thing that happened? It's like, now you have a headache. Now you got to pee. Now you got to, you know what I mean? Now your knees hurt. Now you, your responsibilities and things you got to do and like your chore list goes into your mind. Like everything is preventing you from just submitting into what, who he told you you are. Like your body hates when you submit to God. But the more you do it, the, it's not as hard. And if you let Christ do it through you, it helps. But it does it does hurt us first. It, it, it hurts at first. Um, another thing too, this is another thought I had. I, I know not just myself, but there's a lot of people who are frustrated, um, especially in modern church to where we can't manifest his glory like the way we see it in the first church or the way we want to. But like sometimes we forget we have no glory. He was the one who was resurrected by the Father and glorified. But we love our life more than his because we're we're so tight to give up those few little passions that are left, even though they compare like zilch to what he has. We just, our body just doesn't want to give it up. But if, because we won't do that, we can't live his life because we won't die his death. And then we can't inherit the things he has. We, we, we will have no glory because all the glory is in his life. So if still, if you're still living yours, like you're not going to experience some of that. And if you do, it's like super limited in a few times out of the year, which I mean happens and I appreciate it, but you know, I want a more common occurrence of Christ on the earth and his Holy spirit still doing his ministry through us. You know, even though he's up there in a way, we're still up there too. Like you're in Christ's places with heavenly Jesus, but you're also down here in the flesh. So it's, I don't know. It's confusing. But <laughs> so, so anyways, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So to me, this is just preference. The whole pinnacle, like the whole climax of the gospel is transformation. Like it doesn't just like Jesus didn't die just to pay for your sins. That's part of it. He paid for your sins so you can become a new vessel so that you can become a new creature so that you can become like him. And it's not, it doesn't even just stop there. So sometimes we become like him and don't misunderstand what I say. It's so in ways you can literally become him or really he can become you in a manner of speaking, like not co-equal with God, but like the same kind of essence, the same spirit, the spirit of truth that was in him is the same spirit of truth that is in us. Like he literally takes over your members. So like when you wake up in the morning, 
you know, I've been recently, I'll, it's stupid, but it's just for my own mind. But Lord, I submit my members unto you, like my limbs, my mouth, my everything, my, so like your thoughts could be my thoughts. You know, the Holy Spirit will share the thoughts of the Father with your thoughts if you're submitted unto him, if you're dead to sin and you're alive to God. Um, but sometimes when we get in routines, we kind of lose track of that. And we have to like rededicate and try again. Um, and in our certain culture, we get that luxury because if we say we're a Christian, like your boss, like if you say it to your boss, they're like, okay, so you need Sunday off. You know, in other countries, you say you're Christian, you have no job, your family rejects you. Like you have no choice but to transform right then and there. <laughs> like, you know, you have no grace <laughs> in those kinds of environments. So we're lucky here, you know, but, um, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Hallelujah. So, like, to get down to it, we cannot live the Christian walk through our own hardships, our own pain, our own passions, our own pleasures, our own like ambitions and career path, our own theology even. like We can't live his life through our understanding of good and evil, which we inherited from Adam in the garden. We're not going to make it that way. Um, you're, so your calling, to me, your calling is also your identity. So your calling and this is really it, is to believe that God the Father raised Christ Jesus from the dead and glorified him. And then with that in your mind, put yourself in the grave with faith that God will do the same for you. And the same glory that Christ received because you died in his death, you will receive in your resurrection. And then you can be in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You can actually enter his rest. So it, you know, if, if you struggle believing you're in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and maybe that's why we struggle to see supernatural things is because we don't really believe who we are. We, we do enough to feel like the Holy Spirit, but we don't do enough to like do the crazy stuff. But it, regardless of what we wrestle with, it does not change the fact that right now, and I asked the question when I started, like, who are you? This is who you are. So right now, you are an offspring of an almighty king who made amends with his father. So you can be where he is at. And you can stand in the presence of God Almighty. And you can rest in his glory in that moment, being truly transformed into a likeness of his son. He's the firstborn of many brethren. You are the brethren. Everything that was rewarded to Christ Jesus is rewarded to you if you will die his death. But in that moment, being transformed, like you're you, but you're not really you, you're him. Like, I know that doesn't make sense, but that's because we're flesh and blood. Like, you're just another one of him. That's why the devil hates you. But in that moment, being fully transformed, you can actually rest in all the work that he did without your heart going towards another passion or your mind going towards another thing. You can actually just, I know we war between the flesh and the spirit, but sometimes we make it harder on ourselves than we need to be. We feed it too much. But in that moment, you can finally have peace and rest in front of God Almighty, a terrifying God who, if you read the Bible, he's, he's very passionate and kind, but he's terrifying, you know. But in that moment, you can rest and you can be at peace because there's no shame in the back of your mind 
reminding you of things you did in the past so you're able to actually accept his love freely. And in turn, you can give him love without worried about how he's going to receive it because of something you did in the past. The person that did that in the past is in the grave. So it's not even the same person anymore. So that was the message I want to bring to you. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, Father in heaven, um, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we for, uh, forgive others, Lord. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And to yours be the honor, glory, power, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week and may God bless you and your family.